title of our lesson this morning, begin with the end in mind. And we're going to take a look at Matthew, the 25th chapter, and 14 through 30 in just a moment. I'll go ahead and bring up this slide here. This is a new year. We have new opportunities. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, Jesus teaches his disciples keeping uh, to keep the end in mind. And there's three points. The Lord entrusts. We'll notice that from that parable there. The Lord entrusts, the Lord rewards, and the Lord rebukes. I'll just go ahead and pull up that very first point there. You know, it's that time of, of year, uh, January 1, and I think Brian might have mentioned that too, resolutions and so forth, and it's when we do that kind of thing. Talk about the things we're going to do this year. Sometimes we talk about losing weight. Sometimes we talk about eating right. We talk about reading through the Bible. Sometimes we talk about learning about how to do laundry. My wife must have written that in there. <laughs> that wasn't my resolution. <laughs> but we think about things that we're going to do in this upcoming upcoming year. And so I want us to kind of think along those lines. We think about last year and maybe resolutions that we made and how we did with those. And then we think about now and what we're going to do this, this upcoming year. So I want to give you this illustration as we get into this lesson this morning. So most of you know, I've said this before, each morning as I leave my house and on my way to Platte City, I stop by Starbucks. They know me in there. They know what I'm going to get. So a lot of times when I walk up to the counter, they just slide the coffee across the counter. I pay a certain amount and we don't even talk about the order or the coffee or any of those kinds of things because that's already been settled. And so I mentioned another there, we'll talk about other things. So just this week, about Thursday or Friday, I walked in there and this same young lady that I've seen various times, I said to her, well, New Year's coming. She smiled and said, yeah. I said, are you making any resolutions? And she said, yeah, I am. I go, well, you want to share that? You know? <laughs> she goes, yeah, I've decided I'm going on vacation. I thought, well, that sounds like a pretty good resolution. So I said, where are you going? And she said, I'm going to New Orleans. And so I'm thinking the day that I'm talking to her, it's real cold outside. New Orleans is south. So I'm thinking, you must be planning on going like right away. And I said, so when are you going? She said, November. <laughs> kind of caught me off guard. And so I just said, well, I guess that gives you plenty of time to get ready. Plenty of time to plan. You're not going until November. Took my coffee and walked out and I thought, huh, is there a biblical principle that is found there? And I thought to myself, yeah, I think there is. You start with the end in mind. You begin with the end in mind. That's Matthew, the 25th chapter. About verses 14 through 30. And that's what I was to take a look at today. Before we get right to that though. I want to ask you. In regards to resolutions. So one of the most popular is that thing lose weight. I did that last year. In case you haven't all noticed. 25 pounds lighter. And I've maintained that. Okay, So I'm kind of proud of that. But you think. From the beginning, what's it going to take to accomplish that? And you think, 
what will I look like when I do accomplish that? So let's say maybe your resolution is, I'm going to save money this year. Some people kind of have trouble saving money. Do you ever stop and think, now how am I going to go about do that? Week by week, month by month, how, the, how the, am I going to do that? But do you also stop and think, what will my bank account look like by the end of the year if I do that? Think about that. And it's kind of that goal that you have in mind. And so essentially that's what Jesus is doing in Matthew the 25th chapter. Teaching them to begin with the end in mind. I'm going to read Matthew 25 verses 14 through 18 again. For the kingdom of heaven. Now in the New King James Version it says and it's italicized for the kingdom of heaven. That means it's been inserted But he is talking about the kingdom of heaven because if you back up to the parable before this, he mentions that kingdom. And now this is just a continuation. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he had received two, gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Parable of the talents, as we oftentimes refer to it. But I want to remind you this about parables. Parables have a point. Now what you want to keep in mind in regards to parables and allegories, sometimes allegories will give you different people, different characters and so forth within them, and they represent something. A parable generally is just trying to make a point. Someone has likened a parable to an arrow. And you take an arrow, and it has various components, various parts to it, but it has a point. You take an arrow, and it has feathers, and then it has a main body, and then it has a point. That point is what penetrates. And so you want to kind of keep that in mind. What's the point? That he's making. How does it penetrate. In my life. So now then. For the last couple of weeks. Maybe a little longer. A good part of the world. And a good part of the religious world. Has been recognizing. Celebrating. The birth of Jesus Christ. And then. Well, let me say this. I do not believe for a moment that December 25th is Jesus' birthday. But that's not the point. It's just simply this. Does Scripture record how the Lord made His entrance into this world? Yeah, it does. 
And so we can talk about that. We can recognize this is how he came. But let me say this. That birth, if you want to use the illustration of the arrow, that birth is kind of like the feathers. Because you know what feathers do on an arrow? They help guide that arrow. And so that birth is just guiding where the Lord was wanting to take us. Can we see that? And where He wanted to take us was to the cross. It was His death. That's the point. That's what penetrates my life. And when Paul will talk about in 1 Corinthians, when he mentioned that, and when he mentioned the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11, about verse 26, he said, as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. The birth? Well, that just kind of set the trajectory, didn't it? But where was it going? It was going to cross, to his death. And he wanted us to remember that. Till he comes. There's a beginning with an end in mind. Can we see that? Now we don't know as Paul says, we remember till he comes. We don't know exactly when that's going to take place. In fact, in this same context, Matthew 25, the context actually begins earlier back in Matthew 24. And this is sometimes referred to as the Olivet Discourse. And the reason why it's referred to as the Olivet Discourse is because Jesus has been to the temple with his disciples and as they come out, Matthew 24, they sit down and they are pointing out these various buildings and Jesus said, there's not going to be one stone left upon another. And so they ask this question about when will these things happen and when are you coming? And then he goes to the Mount of Olives. And they come to him asking that question. That's when he gives this discourse. Matthew 25 is part of that discourse. And this parable of the talents. So Matthew 25 and verse 14. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. He's going on a journey. He delivers his goods to these servants. A couple of words there that you have to kind of stop, honor, give consideration to. One of the things that says that he delivers, some translations say he entrusts. And then also in that same sentence, it also says that he is going on a journey, some translations say he's going away. 
away in trust. So this man is going away. There's difference between going away and being gone. Let me show you the difference. Have you ever lost someone? Or have you ever attended a funeral and you hear someone say to someone else, that person is gone? They're not away. You're not expecting them back anytime soon. (laughs) They're gone. And so we need to understand that in this passage. And that's what he is saying. This man has gone on a journey. He has gone away. So what does that mean? That means he's coming back. That's the point that he's making. And it says he delivers his good. And the word that is used there in some translations says he entrusts his goods to these servants. That word entrusts. It's important because he delivers, he entrusts his property, his goods, something of value that he has. He leaves it with them. One writer put it this way. It says it carries with it the idea. I'm relinquishing. Into your care. Into your management. My goods. That which is a valuable. Which is valuable to me. I'm relinquishing that. It's care. It's trust to you. Now, as I thought about that, I thought, how should we see that? I think it's like this. Back when our son was very young, there would be occasions when we might ask someone to babysit. Others have done that too, right? Now, when you decide to ask someone to babysit your child, do you just turn them over to anybody? Go out in front of the house, somebody's walking by, hey, could you just watch? It's like, no, no, no. This is something is of great value to me. I'm relinquishing my care, my oversight to you. This is something of great value to me. And I'm entrusting it to you. That's one way we should look at it. Now here's the other way we should look at it. Have you ever been asked to watch someone else's child? They just turned over one of the most precious things they have to you. Do you feel Honored by that? You should. (laughs) I trust you enough to leave my child with you. So in this parable, 
this owner delivers and trusts his goods to these servants. Now, R.C. Trench writes his comments about this parable and he says, In that day and time, a servant, a slave, would be allowed to engage in business. And in return, they would either pay a yearly sum of profits or they would strive to enlarge their master's business. I'm a worthy servant because I take what you have given to me. I treat it like you would treat it. And I make gain with it. So in this particular parable, he gives five, he gives two, he gives one. He entrusts them. And it says, according to their ability. I kind of chuckled to myself when I was thinking about that. There are some folks you might entrust with one kid. It's going to take a special person if you leave five of them with them. (laughs) They have the ability. Something of value you can oversee according to your ability. But it also suggests, the text does, that they knew what to do with it. Right away, the five says, I took this and I made five more. The two says, I took this, I made two more. And one of them said, I just took it and buried it in the ground. (laughs) So they knew something was expected of them, that they were supposed to be doing something with it. But the one... He just dug a hole and buried it. And we might ask ourselves, who would do such a thing? (laughs) Well, that's not the point of the parable. Just stay with me a minute. So we think then about how the Lord rewards for being, them being entrusted with his goods. 19 through 25. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you deliver to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. says that after a time, after a long time, 
he returned. And that time is emphasized. This is really a long time. It's so long a time that the servants might begin to think, is he going to come back at all? Now let me tell you what Peter says over in 2 Peter chapter 3. Speaking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 3 about verses 3 and 4, first of all he says, there are those who are going to scoff. And they will say, where is the coming of your Lord? Because ever since the beginning of all things have continued the same. In other words, you keep talking about him coming back. I don't see him coming back. Nothing has changed. He's not coming back. And then you skip on down to about verse 8 and 9. He says, remember this. That with the Lord... One day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. We're not operating. The Lord is not operating on mine and your time frame. Is what it said. And then he follows it up with verse 9. For the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slackness. But rather he is long suffering not desiring that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why is he delaying? To give people an opportunity to recognize what they ought to be doing while he's away. But he's coming back. There's no doubt that he's coming back. And what's suggested is that that delay, that period of time, that really challenges faithfulness. Do you believe what he said? (laughs) That he's coming back? So if he's coming back, then what should you be doing? So verse 19. It says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. This is part of that Olivet Discourse. The parable that is told just before this is the parable of the ten virgins. Remember that? And they went out to wait for the bridegroom to return. And there are five wise and there are five foolish. Remember them? And five of them had oil and five of them didn't. (laughs) Collectively. Now we've moved on to Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. And He is distributed to each one. And now He's coming back. And He's going to settle accounts. With each one. That's what he said. So in other words, what you do with the valuables that I left for you? 
that which I relinquish to you. It's been a long time. You may have forgotten by now, that was mine. It's always been mine. It was never yours. And I've come back to see what you did with what I left you. That was mine. Can we see that? So what did you do with the goods and the opportunity that I honored you with? Twenty-five, twenty-three, twenty-three. So he had received five talents, came and brought five other talents. And the Lord said, verse 21, well done. Verse 22, he had also had received two, came and he said, I delivered, you delivered to me two talents and I have gained two more. And the Lord said, well done. So they took advantage of the opportunity. This is what you entrusted me with. And this is what I did with. For they knew the Lord was going to come back. And they did what He intended. And so He said, well done. But then, 24 through 30. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more, for, every to, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, if this were made into a movie, after he talks to the first two and he says, well done, and we know that he's getting ready to talk to the third one, right there at that point in the movie, the move, music would change, wouldn't it? <laughs> All of a sudden, it would become kind of dark and kind of ominous. And like, uh-oh, now he's going to talk to that third, that third person. And we're anticipating. Because he just took that talent and he buried it. He didn't employ any of his abilities. He just took what was given to him, that which is of value, and he just buried it in the ground. And in verse 24 and 25, he said, I know you're a hard man. You gather where you haven't sown. And I was afraid. So I just took it and buried it. 
And so the master then says, so you say this in essence about me? You know this about me? Then why didn't you take that talent and give it to some translations say the exchangers? New King James Version says the bankers. Give it to somebody else. And at least I could draw interest. Now the corresponding parable to this is found over Luke the 19th chapter. It's the parable of the minus. And a very similar statement is made there on that occasion. But what the Lord says at that time is, He says, I will judge you by your own words. In other words, he's not admitting this is the kind of person that I am, so therefore you are justified. He's saying, this is what you say about me. And so somehow you think that justifies you. It does not justify you. But then he goes on to say, I will judge you by your own words. Is that the standard by which you judge me? So that's the standard we're going to use. And based upon that standard, if you knew that and you were afraid, why didn't you take it and give it to the bankers? And I would have gotten interest from that. He says, you were lazy, you were slothful. You didn't do that. So that's not really what you think. That was just an excuse not to do what you were supposed to be doing. And so he judges him by his own words. So the master rebukes the servant. All you did was dig a hole, took what I gave you, and just put it in the ground. You know what that is? That's out of sight, out of mind. For a lot of people in the world today, if Jesus, if the scriptures are just out of sight, then it's out of mind. If I can't see it, I don't have to think about it. And so that's what he's saying. You just tuck it buried at the ground. And if you don't see it, you don't have to think about it. And then when I show back up, you just go get it. But here it is. And it's your fault. It's the reason why I put it in the ground. (laughs) And so Jesus shows that won't work. He'd been given an opportunity. He'd been entrusted with these goods. And we might think, well, his portion was smaller. But I want, to, I want to stop and just explain this for just a moment. Sometimes we refer to this as the parable of the talents and it talks about it in such a way that it refers to money. And you could read various commentaries about how much this would have been. And it's kind of hard to tell exactly how much this would have been because sometimes a talent might be a talent of gold. Sometimes a talent might be a talent of silver. And sometimes you might be using Roman standards and somebody you might be using somebody else's. But the one thing that most all commentaries agree on is this. This was a lot 
So here's a general range that I will give you. One talent to five talents. One talent would about been about 300K. Pretty good, huh? Five talents would be 1.5 million. So when you look at the one, you say, oh, well, he just got one talent. What we need to do is to understand how much that is. He entrusted you with something of extreme value. And he did it according to your ability. Are you honored by that? And can you show that you were worthy of being entrusted with that? And that you ought to maybe even be entrusted with more? That's what the five and the two did. So Matthew 25 and verse 28, he says... Take it away from him and give it to the one who has ten. Now, just a casual reading of that, we think, well, that's kind of unfair, isn't it? (laughs) But we need to understand what he's saying. He has shown that he uses his abilities. He took advantage of the opportunities. And he did with it like I would have done with it. I would have tried to make gain with it. And that's why I would trust him with more. So he says, whoever does not (coughs) use their ability, whoever does not see that they've been honored, take it away from him and give it to the one who has ten. In verse 30, once again, he says, And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, probably what is the most sad part about this whole parable is, this is one that had been on the inner circle. Because the master had trusted him. And yet, he didn't use his ability. He didn't feel honored by being entrusted. And he just took it and buried it in the ground and then decided that the best approach would be to be critical of his master. So why is this parable recorded? And why is it so important for us? But once again, generally everybody agrees this is part of the Olivet Discourse. And what's Jesus talking about? He's talking about a second coming and he's talking about judgment. He's talking about seeing the end from the very beginning. And so as we stop and we consider, I want to make sure... (laughs) Because this is kind of a heavy parable, isn't it? (laughs) We ought to see this as encouraging. Because it's a new year. 
And it's another opportunity. So if we're reading and studying this parable, then what's that tell us? God has spared us another day, right? And I can't tell you exactly when He's coming back. But I do know this. Today we're closer than we were yesterday. And at the beginning of 2023, we're closer than we were at the beginning of 2022. And the fact that I just simply have the opportunity to make a resolution is a blessing that God has given me. So will you take advantage by exercising your abilities and recognizing the honor that God gives us? And that should be encouraging. So we stop and think about, well, how would this apply to me? And I thought, you know, it might be easier if we just went around the room and said, how would it apply to you? (laughs) But we generally don't do that kind of thing, right? (laughs) So I'll just give you a little list. So as you think about abilities and you think about opportunities, so for some, it might be family. According to your abilities and according to your opportunities, can you take advantage of that with family? Let's say with kids. Trying to encourage kids. Trying to teach them spiritually. I think about parents in the home. I think about fathers within the home. And you think about the opportunity to pray with to read with, to study with kids in the home. Maybe we think about a sibling. According to your ability, according to your opportunity. Could you be an influence on them? Or a spouse. Or how about a parent? You ever hear of that kind of thing? Where kids convert their parents? Yeah. It happens. So as we begin a new year, what would you like the end to look like? So let's think for a moment just about, say, personally. So this is the year I'm going to read through the Bible. How are you going to do that? Wait till November. <laughs> I gotta get this thing ready. <laughs> or are you gonna start the journey today? And what's it gonna look like by the time you get to April or to June or October? And then by the end of the year. What's that gonna look like? For some it might be finances. I've got to change that. I've got to do better with that. Would you have a plan for that? And what would that look like at the end of the year? How about habits or addictions? Something you want to change in your life. 
Do you have a plan for that? And do you think about what that would look like a year from now? For some, it might just be reading. It might be prayer. It might be making connections with other people. Not just Christians, but with other people. Do you have a plan for that? And will it look different three months, six months, nine months down the road? Can you begin with the end in mind? Or, what about connections with other Christians? Would that be good? And do you have a plan for that? And so as we think about beginning with the end in mind, we think about individually. So that's me. That's you. <laughs> Preach to myself, right? And then we think about collectively. What about Platt City? Where we are today. And where do we want to be a year from now? And the things that we're doing. So oftentimes we think about, we talk about, I emphasize the big picture. And we need to think about the big picture. I think that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew the 25th chapter. He's talking about the big, big picture. Right now, He has entrusted. He has gone away. But that doesn't mean He's gone. That means He's coming back. There's no doubt He's coming back. So what do we do in the meantime? According to abilities. According to opportunities. Recognizing we've been entrusted with the Master's goods. That which is valuable to Him. Do we take advantage of the opportunities? Now I want to, I'm not going to read it. This is going to be your assignment. <laughs> this is part of the Olivet Discourse. And we think about opportunities. Read the rest of Matthew 25. Look at the opportunities that he talks about. It's there. So we have to stop and think from this parable. Here's three servants. They were all entrusted with the master's goods according to their abilities. These talents were of great value. He turned something of great value over, relinquished to them. And so we think there's two that did what was right. One, he did. To two, he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. 
enter into the joys of the Lord. But to the one, take it away from him. Give it to the one who has ten. And cast that unfaithful servant out. It's in Revelation 22 where Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. And so we need to think about that beginning with the end in mind. That's Matthew 25. (laughs) Happy New Year, right? (laughs) It's an encouragement for us. It's a motivation for us to think about that. I want to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. If you need to make your relationship right with the Lord in any way, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.